Welcome to Eureka Street Crypto. This is my anti-professional crypto channel. I'm just a barely sane dude who fell down the cryptocurrency rabbit hole. This channel is my fumbling attempt to communicate myself outside my own head about my journey in the crypto space. It is basically my brain dump. None of this is actual financial advice. Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John and Eureka Street Crypto broadcasting live from Leanxis, just a suburb outside of Austin. Um, nothing special to everybody, but something special to me now after being here, I guess, uh, almost two years. And um, today I have an, another guest on my show. I've just been on a roll lately. Um, I'm in this crypto space, and this is my video blog, aka Brain Dump, where I just kind of process and talk about things that I learned in crypto on a day to day basis. I started this podcast as an experiment to just figure out because my philosophy is is in order to learn something best to probably try to teach it because then you're on the spot and uh, you absorb things. At first, you can absorb things through intake, you know, through reading, through listening, through however. But the other half of the learning a lot of times comes through you processing and talking about it. And that's what this channel is all about. And that's what I've been trying to do this past, I guess, almost two years now that I've been doing this. I'm episode number 429 and the crypto space has changed a lot. I've changed a lot. I've met a lot of cool people, joined DAOs, uh, met people on the internet, um, on all various social media platforms and just everywhere. And and um, they've helped me along on my, on my crypto journey. They've provided me some good advice, some bad advice. I've recorded everything good bad and ugly and here i am and today i have somebody that i met randomly on the internet and i don't really know much about him but uh, that's the spirit of this whole show it's an experiment and uh, um, what i do know is that he's a fellow austinite and uh, involved in improv so um one of the one of my favorite things watches improv although i've never had the balls to do it and i've ne never yeah we have zero skills in it except for what i've learned on this show uh, this show is kind of me. I mean, I'm not an introvert, but I'm not the best public speaker either. So it's helped me with this. And I imagine being up there on stage can help you a lot as well. Um, so uh, proof of beans, thanks for jumping on the show this morning and doing this experiment with me. And uh, in the spirit of improv, we don't really have an agenda. We are just going to talk a little bit about crypto and about life and well, I want to hear about you and what brought you here, what brought you into the crypto space, um, you know, what your entry point into crypto is. Uh, I know a lot of people come into crypto from various angles, so I'm interested to hear it all. Well, hey, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Um, yeah, yeah. Gosh, there's so much in, in that intro. Uh, <laughs> I know, lots of pack. <laughs> No, 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 I wasn't, yeah, that's not a critique, I love it, because I just got excited. So, like, the learning part of it, this is, that that's my favorite part, and then the teaching is, like, that little bonus, but when you are in a ecosystem where you constantly have to learn, or you'll just sink, um, mm -hmm. that is a really hyper-aware place to be, I feel like, just in general. Um, yeah, and it can be chaotic. So I totally uh, agree that when you start teaching, it helps you organize like the chaos you're experiencing in real time. It's just yeah, yeah. that is like a huge part of of why I love crypto, honestly. Of why you love um, crypto? Okay, I thought you were gonna say why you love improv. But <laughs> well, see, uh, yeah, no, improv is is very. Um, Improv is different because there's nothing like recordable about it other than if you recorded it, right? So I feel like it balances me out for sure uh, with all the stress of crypto. Going and doing improv is 100% therapeutic. Like I would absolutely mm. uh, recommend that for everybody who does, <laughs> who, who trades crypto. Um, that's not to say everybody's stressed out, but you know, it's kind of a thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So I guess the way I first got into crypto is just this dude. <laughs> I I had to do sales. Um, 
right when I got to Austin. I had graduated with an MFA in playwriting from Ohio University, landed in Austin, didn't know anyone, and I kind of had to take the first job. So I took one of those bottom of the barrel, like, uh, uh, just like really sneaky sales type of uh, environment with a big yeah. sales floor and everybody's competing. Uh, oh, man. Had improv, boy, did it enable me to bag like for just a little bit. <laughs> In that environment, like it just really opened things up for me and uh, I was able to sell shit. I didn't like what I was selling. So I only did that for a while uh, for maybe, I don't know, a year probably. Um, And and then I kind of hopped around from startup to startup, which taught me quite a bit about tech. And then I was tracked down by a fellow sales at first really scumbag job he tracks me down and we're talking about yeah so he he tracks me down we go we go out for drinks i was wanting to start a a business around teaching uh improv to sales teams basically and use it as uh yeah, like use it as templates for how to speak to people, how to maneuver in a conversation, certainly to get warmed up uh, in the morning and do like team building stuff. Um, it works in so many ways, right? Honestly, it was like really touching. He, he really believed in it and he believed in me. Uh, but he's someone who I knew could get the things that I'm not. He he can do the things that I can't. Do you know what I mean? OK, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, but, but things didn't work out cause of COVID. Uh, and, um, I went full-time crypto, uh, that dude introduced me to Bitcoin mm. and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much how it went. Okay. From yeah. There, he got it, in like, from the big yeah. TA technical analysis, like yeah. Mm-hmm. So for the people at, at on the other the audience, technical analysis is when you look at charts, you explore some of the fundamentals of graphs, and you analyze the patterns of the highs and lows. You put lines on those graphs, and you you know a lot of people draw some funny pictures: head and shoulders, cups and handles, um, ascending and descending wedgies is what I like to call them because <laughs> it can screw you pretty bad sometimes. And then, uh, yeah. And you look for patterns on those charts. So tell me a little bit about that. What attracted you to getting into crypto from that angle? So, uh, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, obviously money, uh, and then like, I was just like, okay, this is something I can see in front of me. There are rules and systems that you can use to put probability in your favor, right? Like okay. that sentence sounds legit, <laughs> right? Uh, obviously, it gets a lot more as, um, well, partly because everybody makes it sound like it can be relied upon always, right? Like everybody's very positive about the concept of TA when actually trading is just a really low probability game to begin with. Right. Um, yeah. So I got in through that marketing, like I was like, Oh, I can do this. And sort of like, I admit I was, I was reeled in by TA experts that, that wanted to make me rich. So yeah, the more, the more I, did it the more i started meeting people and like sort of trading you know charts back and forth uh learning different indicators and then i would say over the last three years i've gone from ta to more like hunting for uh airdrops and stuff like that uh so i backed away from ta a little bit which kind of helped me because i I was able to see it from afar and simplify it. And I was like, okay, well, 
I've been away for a month. What are the first three indicators that I, I want to see? And then I put that on a chart and I let, to be super cheesy, I just let the chart start telling me a story from, from the highest time frame down to the lowest time frame. No, no, that's not cheesy. That That's actually cool. I want to hear, because that's something that I don't really understand. Um, yeah, I've always kind of jokingly said TA is like the village shaman sticking a, a stick in a in a pile of poop and stirring it around and determining the weather patterns from that. Um, yes. But like, how can you look at the chart and have it tell you something? And, you know, people do this in religion, too. They look at sacred texts and, you know, they, they a lot of times they'll interpret themselves into that text rather than let the text read back to them. And, uh, you know, coming from a seminary background, obviously, I'm going to go down that tangent. But, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about how the charts speak to you. <laughs> so if you if you look at an hourly chart, and I mean, I feel like this is probably something that anyone starting TA, like uh, probably 80% of people, it's going to take them a while to understand why you should just... If it's the beginning of the day, beginning of the week, whenever you whenever you open up a chart first, you should look at a high time frame. Like get a monthly chart up there because there are going to be levels that aren't necessarily around in or they're not apparent on the hourly chart, right? Okay. So I determine from the monthly, uh, do I think this is going up or down and then i usually try to find just the most apparent first glance level that just looks like okay that's that's definitely the most important level on this chart right um yeah so i'll, I'll just put that line put a little in there and i'll go down and do the same thing and you'll find that you know the monthly can look bullish the weekly can look kind of scary and then the three day can look like super bullish. And then as you get down, it's like, oh, wow. So, so if you're plotting your, uh, your high time frame levels, it puts context around the, uh, smaller time frames, right? Okay. Do you know what I mean by time frame, right? Like one hour, two hour, three hour. Yeah. Yeah. I look on coin gecko and I see one one hour, 24 hour and seven day charts. And that's what they give you. So if you look at any of those type of market cap ranking websites. Mm -hmm. So you use those charts or do you have specialized software to do that with? Oh, um, the trading view is kind of like the, the Kleenex of charting. Um, I highly recommend setting up an account with TradingView. It's free. Okay. It's a great chart. Like it's the best thing you can use. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll poke around with some <laughs> options trading or something. You know, I've, I've talked to some people who do nothing but Bitcoin options trading and they, they do very well at it, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. They, you know, they come in and they kind of scoop, take their, their scoop and then they leave and they're done about in one hour a day doing that and they you know make a hell of a lot more money than i do <laughs> really so they they day trade uh bitcoin options just every day yeah yeah calls and puts yeah <laughs> um <laughs> I, see the gears awesome. I just didn't know there was a platform where you could do that yet i knew darabit right they they have a platform but they don't allow whatever um oh See, I don't know what's allowed him not. So maybe I'm uh, probably speaking out of turn. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I shouldn't be. Yeah, I haven't done it yet. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, but TA, man, it, it, it's really helpful, even if you're not going to use it to trade. Okay. Um, it just keeps you in touch with like, the movement and it's unhealthy to look at it, you know, every five minutes, but yeah, it's great. If you look at it once a day, I mean, you I know. find myself pulling up coin gecko a lot per day, you know, every yeah. single time I have a spare moment, I'm looking at coin gecko charts and it's not that I'm trying to do TA and it's just, I'm trying to keep track of, 
uh, which projects are doing what to try to find overall patterns. I, I say that, um, you know, back in the old days when we get newspapers, the first thing I would do would go to the um, standings for NFL and uh, the baseball MLB standings, and I would see where my team's at and just give it a quick glance and kind of get an overall view. And that's kind of do with projects as well to see what's doing good and, you know, as far as rankings are concerned. But there are some low ranking projects that are, I think, very valuable. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so, do you have any pet charts? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask like, uh, so do, what would you say, like, your, your, your level of involvement slash holding slash trading, like what kind of, uh, you come up with a lot of good projects. I watched uh, several of your video and, and like, it, do you just hold it to sell it in a year or like what's your uh, time frame? Well, I mean, a lot of the way I approach it is just experimentation. I like to see how things work, the levers and pulleys, the nuts and bolts, you know, what is this DeFi project over here on Avalanche? Uh, how do you use Avalanche? Because Avalanche has a couple different types of chains, the P chain and the X chain and all that stuff. And I, I, that's the approach I take from it. I'm not necessarily coming in trying to like make a bunch of money from it, even though I have here and there and I've lost a bunch of money here and there on some crap, like the whole wonderland dot money, and abracadabra projects i lost money on those a lot of people did you know the ohm forks um so but really as me it's just to see how it all works and from a web3 point of view and that's kind of uh, a different angle of approaching things rather than a ta type of view where the 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 end result you want the end result i mean of course we all want the end result to be to make money you know but uh, uh ta is more about like you said uh trying to um i guess foster prediction uh, the foster the future to your benefit through st statistics and patterns and uh yeah i'm just I, I i don't see those things and whenever people who are really good at the ta point those things out i'm like yeah it makes sense you know like but it's hard people that are really good at ta yeah, I mean, because it, it really is all you can do is like sway the odds slightly in your favor and try to find like an entry to that, right? Yeah. Um, that that just, it has a great place where you can place a stop loss. So if you're trading something that's on its way up, I'm not saying it's never profitable to buy something that has just broken a major level or is an all-time high a lot of times they keep going right that's yeah absolutely valid but you don't know where you can put the stop loss usually on in that case does that make sense so yeah defining, defining your risk on buying essentially when everybody is buying Defining the risk is usually hard, right? Um, yeah. Again, people make money doing it, and they know they have a system for that, whatever. But uh, for for beginning traders or people that usually are coming through an entry point of hype, they buy the top, right? That's like yeah. sort of the thing. But really, what what destroys them is the fact that I want to buy something that has come down to a level right here so that I can place my stop loss underneath that level. That way okay. if it continues going down. I know that this is probably a place where it most likely continues down. Hmm. So I can put my stop loss there, but, but buying there means buying on a red candle, right? That yeah. is against all, like I've been doing this for three years. It is still not that easy to place a limit order right at a level that looks like it could break down huh but, okay so how much but, does fundamental analysis come into play because that's really where i come from uh, as far as looking at projects I, I get all excited about buzzwords honestly like you know i 
Phantom. I hear direct acyclic graph technology. I'm like, wow, it's the best thing since sliced bread. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's only going to go up, you know, and then like two weeks later, it's just like plopping down the floor because Andre Cronje pulls out, you know, and everybody loses faith and you're just like, ah, that was so cool. You know, so um, it's hard to, how much do you account for those fundamentals whenever you're looking or do you just stick straight to the data on the charts? So many people say you need to choose one or the other. Uh, and the people on the TA side say, if you're utilizing volume in your TA, mm -hmm. these types of events will, the, the chart, the volume will tell you the story, right? Like which way it's going to break because people are going to sell when they know in advance, like, that whatever crazy decentralization violation happens, right? Like uh, <laughs> people that do TA say volume, volume will, 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 will guide the way through that. And that's TA, right? So and what do you mean by volume? Just the amount of people trading at the same time? Yes. Bought and sold each. Yeah. Bought, bought and sold coins um will print a candle that is either red or green and if more people bought it's green more people sold it's red so you can use volume in a lot of different ways compared against the price and if you do it long enough like you'll just start to see oh like okay so that that was a lot of volume for price to only go down like 3%. Hmm. Mm. Seems like there are more buys in that red candle uh, than we think. So okay. you can just sort of see that and start to see like waves of people making decisions essentially. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, and it breaks up or down and yeah, it's really fun. It's cool. Is that what you call signals and indicators and like that whenever you're reading this type of literature about it? Yeah, a signal would be inside of an indicator saying this price accomplished this thing, right? And then it'll okay. pop up and check, this is your signal for an entry or this is your signal for a stop loss or whatever, right? And so, you program, do you program bots to, to give you those signals at that point or how does that work? No, I'm too paranoid to do that. Like, <laughs> what, why do you mean paranoid? What? Uh, just not paranoid. I guess frightened. I should have used the real word. I was very, I'm very scared of bots. Um, okay. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but <clears throat> so I like having control of whatever I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just afraid of like, I don't know placing like 20 orders that I didn't mean to place or something like that. Like the, a lot of these trading platforms are complicated enough. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to mess with that because I'm not a giant firm with unlimited capital. Sure. Yeah. So bots, um, if I'm correct, you can program almost like smart contracts to trade this X or Y once something hits A or B basically. Yeah. Use okay. plug parameters in and tell the bot, these are the rules that I use. So you uh, you plug your TA analysis into a bot and then it will just execute it for you. Are those bots um, built into a platform like TradingView for anybody to use or do you have to be kind of a special kind of genius to figure out how to program that stuff? You, I think it usually happens. I don't know if they integrate with, I'm sure somehow they integrate with TradingView, but you yeah. usually uh, have to, I think, get them on exchanges. Like you can, hmm. you can subscribe to it and, you know. yeah. But that's not something you do. So, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, you, you said you like to, to be more in control of that. Uh, back to your whole improv interest. Um, to me, improv seems to be like the complete opposite of control. Um, you know, you're up there just kind of just like, you know, 
figuring out what's happening, how you're going to land on your feet in whatever situation or context or conversation you're given. Um, how, <laughs> that's not very in control unless you learn to master it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, again, exactly what you describe is the it's the th therapy part of it, right? Um, absolute release valve. I can go in there and once you realize that like there's a whole part of you kind of that you never access because you sort of grew older and pushed that like wacky side to the side, right? You don't have to access mm -hmm. it or you have no reason to like go, go really far into that place. Um, so when you access that, to me, it just kind of like makes you more aware. It, it's kind of like meditating in a way, I think. Okay. Um, if you can do it without, without trying so hard. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, isn't um, improv and in a way, I mean, I would say learning in the whole crypto industry is kind of like improv because everything changes so fast and is so volatile it really forces you to act on your primal responses rather than it's something pre thought out or programmed and uh i mean i i did this De denver conference and i was doing the live streaming during that whole thing and a lot of people were panicking because some things weren't going right technically and stuff like that but that i thrive i don't thrive in planning out things and um i figured for people who maybe like to have control to be train themselves in an atmosphere where they have zero control is a uh, very therapeutic, like you said. <laughs> yeah. And <clears throat> it's funny how like everything in my opinion, generally, if I'm trying to craft, uh, get better at something, develop a skill, it's almost always comes down to simplifying it, right? And so the the exact opposite goes on. The exact opposite of simple goes on in your mind when you step on stage. You're for, there's like 60, 70 people sitting in a theater looking at you, being like, "Okay, what mm. what are you gonna do for that? you know like that?" Yeah. <laughs> Like you said, entertain us, monkey. <laughs> um, but like you said, it 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 drives you to access like primal, simplistic responses that you can absolutely control because that has a lot of adrenaline that can be harnessed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and <clears throat> to me, it's fun because that adrenaline stimulates your mind. And your mind can go further for longer and in bigger ways. That's it. Mm. Yeah, I'm speaking very conceptually, but I love to your point of how. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's all. I'm a very overly conceptual person. But uh, so if, if I'm on if I'm on stage and I'm in a scene. And I'm I'm relate this uh, to crypto like you were sort of uh, relating it. So like I'm on stage, nothing has been said. You come on stage and you say, "Mr. President, hmm. your house is on fire, my friend." I didn't have any. If I'm doing improv correctly, I was not preparing to say my own thing. Right. Like that should be absolutely present and whatever comes prompts you in the direction. Uh, so now I'm the president. I'm in panic and I have to start going through logistics of what I'm going to do. Or I could choose something else and go, you know, completely left ball with it. But it doesn't matter because if you find momentum going somewhere and I feel like it's the same exact way in crypto, like you said, uh, you know, you're like, you're knee deep in own forks and you're like, oh my God, three, three million. I figured out that they have this treasury that's going to implode on itself. Like you can like go a hundred percent that way. And trust me, I was there. 
Uh, <laughs> and then, and then all of a sudden, like Danny, Daniel, what's his name? Daniel, Danny uh, Sesta. Yeah. Danny Sesta, like says something crazy or, you know, releases some info on accident. He was, he was, he was kind of a wild hair. Like I, I, I think I kind of knew the risk going into time. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but anyway, uh, yes, you, you get my point about improv. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot yeah, of Danny fun. Sesta seems to be kind of an uh, improv artist himself. <laughs> I, I don't oh, know man. if you've ever seen him talk, but <laughs> yes, I have. Also, like you were talking about before on Andre Cronche, like, Jesus, that guy is juggling so many dramas ju- mm-hmm. all the time, all at once. Still yelling at people, but clearly it's like, dude, you have this many problems. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a you <laughs> problem, Andre. Like, yeah, it, it's pretty. Yeah, crypto is so wild in that way, because uh, you don't usually have stocks that will completely implode, like because the CEO has a mental breakdown. You know what I mean? And cries in public. And yeah. Like, Starts attacking his his holders. Yeah, it's weird because um, for an industry that is so reliant on numbers and you know development and programming and coding and logic, the people in crypto are so emotionally driven and illogical at times, and just basically kids sometimes, and and, and just jumping and acting on primal instincts. So to to tie this with improv to be able to master and be in charge of those primal responses is super helpful in an industry like crypto, I think. <clears throat> never even, I never even thought of that. I'm serious. Like you, you saying that like helped me sort of paint the picture and it's obvious. Right. Uh, but that is something that I never consider. Huh. The fact that maybe, uh, like, would you interpret what what you described as someone who uses their relies on their gut more than, or yeah, yeah, yeah. And but the thing is, is programming, and whenever you're de- developing and creating smart contracts, you are trying to predict any type of fu- future outcome with a program. And you're creating a language to make a decision whenever some kind of circumstance happens. So whenever X happens, trigger Y, you know, mm-hmm. and you're trying to um, account for every single possible type of variable whenever you're creating a smart contract or a program. And uh, that is super logical. And that is pre-planned and pre-thinking. But whenever things don't go according to program, <laughs> everybody freaks out. Yeah. Yeah, because it's also many times like irreversible, at least in the short term, right? Because <clears throat> mm-hmm. if 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 I'm not controlling the volume, and then the volume all of a sudden goes goes up, like I have to figure out where that volume, where's the volume control, you know? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing what people do and just knowing that if they take the risks um on the projects they love and by the way that's that's really all trading should be also like i okay. heard ranting about shiba the other day and it's like if if that's the game you're playing then it's just going to be really 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 hard for you (laughs) you know what i mean Uh, and that is the entry point for so many people so when you get retail money that is almost entirely based on emotion Mm -hmm. like it's it's extremely predictable for people that have way more money than they do so Another way to look at trading, which it took me probably two or three years to get the concept of like when I'm looking at a chart. So all players are not created equal, obviously. So you've got the people that are actually moving the market. Let's just call them the the dark ones. And (laughs) so, 
So they are looking at a chart and thinking, okay, what's the main level? How can we drive price down into that main level where we know a bunch of retail money is, is ready to just hand it right over to us, right? It's liquidity. Mm -hmm. So they want to hit a particular spot on, uh, on the chart that has a ton of liquidity, which by the way, they also have the tools to see exactly how much liquidity is there for retail. We don't have those tools. Uh, oh, well, kind, okay. of, kind of with order books, but um, yeah, so so that's a good way to look at trading as well and use TA and use improv because they're always tricky and the market can go every which way and you have to be able to just literally shift and say, oh shit, I'm not bullish, I'm bearish, right? Just <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it takes a flexibility to change your opinion on a dime. And in a world where we are being polarized to such extremes by all types of outside forces trying to push us to those extremes, being able to change our mind and be flexible is a, uh, I would say, an advantage and an amazing asset that somebody can have. Um, you know, they always say that the brittle tree, no matter how big it is, will break it in half in the wind, but the flexible one will re will continue to grow. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that, that was a lot of my sales improv <laughs> uh, workshops. Man, this stuff is also incestuous, you know. Like, <laughs> you you can find the 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 vibe out there, and it, it usually works with more than one thing if it's a really clear concept in your mind. Like, I do I do try just in life because of improv. I try to be present. Um, yeah, that's a really cliche thing. Um, and well, like I, you said, it's a meditation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a meditation. But but being truly, truly present, I think, is a really, really hard thing to maintain consistently. Um, mm. Obviously, with all kinds of like, if if you're on Twitter alone, I mean, you're you're overwhelmed, right? So, oh, yeah, <clears throat> all those things just cause your emotions to make you make bad decisions in the market because you're not present and thinking about like the tactical side of this and what would I do if I was the dark one? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, <laughs> the dark one. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's I'll use that from now on and I'll try to credit you when I can. <laughs> the uh, dark <laughs> Yeah. So I do have a question here from uh, somebody is watching ahead. Thanks for watching ahead. I appreciate it. Um, he says, what are the main indicators you use when trading crypto? Do you have any main indicators, uh, some kind of canonical guidelines that you go by? Absolutely. I uh, So um, the way I do it is I use three different and, and most I, – I don't want to sound like I'm I'm different because whatever nobody's different, but we're all different. I I do what uh, that that's true that's true sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I just mean traders. Um, so a lot of people teach that you want to use like really complementary indicators that generally are giving you more and more granular information based on like some kind of setup you want, right? Um, so people will use RSI and MACD. I use RSI. I don't use MACD because MACD is, for me, it's a it's a much more like granular type of RSI in a way. So what I want to look at is RSI plus Weiss wave volume. And Weiss is spelled W-E-I-S wave. And so what that will do at the bottom is sort of give you momentum-based um, in uh, momentum-based waves that you can compare against the structure of price. Mm. And it will tell you if there's 
something just doesn't quite look right, okay, what is it? And like I gave the example before, if you have a giant red cell wave and price only fell 2%, you know there's a lot of people in there absorbing the cell pressure, right? Mm. So that's what that gives me. Um, and then I use Ichimoku, uh, <clears throat> which is like, it looks super complicated, but it's actually very, the reason I love it is it just simplifies everything. Yeah. Ichimoku um, clouds. Uh, I had a guest kind of talk about that at one point, crypto chemistry, and he's another very smart TA guy. So seems like a very fascinating concept. Could Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no worries. The Ichimoku sounds fascinating yeah yeah the whole way that it creates a cloud around it of some kind of i i, I can't describe it <laughs> yeah i mean the reason it's so great is it's doing so many calculations that you do not have to worry about like it's it's like a gigabrain telling you like oh look at how price is struggling in this area uh where there's no it doesn't look like there's any volume there's no level here uh and then it just knows based on calculations divided by calculations times whatever that uh the general consensus is that you can feel like a wave sort of moving mm -hmm. um uh and yeah, you can glance at it. So like, I'll go to, to, to answer your question, I use uh, Ichimoku first, uh, and I go to like a monthly time frame, and I look at how it's telling me if price looks like it's about to hit a, 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 a trend point that is going to thrust it into a cloud, right? Or okay. is it gonna do the opposite? And I just take that, I plot my levels, and I go down, down, down. Then I look at volume, and I have levels for my Ichimoku. And I look at the volume, go down the time frames all the way down to an hour. Um, and hopefully if I do that with like five or six coins every day, uh, I'm going to be able to find some setups, you know, most mm -hmm. of the time, long or short. So, so you mostly trade in altcoins, right? I, yeah. I don't even like the term altcoins anymore. I mean, it's the, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's fair. I mean, I think shit coins, I guess. But. Yeah. I mean, I do too. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't trade, but you know, I explore a lot of because a lot of yesterday's shite coin is today's you know, is the next Ethereum in a lot of cases or something in the top you know, 50 of coin gecko or coin market cap. Mm -hmm. So you know what you're going to get. And there's a lot of experimental concepts out there. And that's one thing that I love about the altcoin space is uh, just the exploration of um, say, for instance, this near protocol is in shards, you know, and you know, Zilliqa was one of the first shard tokens. And I did very well on Zilliqa because I was investing in the sharding technology. And I thought that was really cool and it ended up doing well. And then I sold it off. And then now Zillica is not anything of real significance anymore, but uh, it had its time. And yeah, so it looks like you're watching for, for things like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Catalysts. Uh, again, I do listen to the news, right? I let it affect me because also, it's different than stocks in that there's not so much immediately going on around a stock that's not historically like normal, but with, with crypto, there just is, there are more immediate threats. There are more immediate catalysts, like all of these news events absolutely uh, control the price. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's important to remember like TA is not about, <laughs> TA is not about controlling price. And I, I've never said that before, but it makes sense because when you first start, you're almost like when you're planting your uh, your levels and your entry and your take profit, it sort of feels like 
no, 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 no. This is exactly what was on that video. Like literally, <laughs> this is exactly what was on. No, stop going down. That's not what you're, you know. And it's it's like you think you control the price almost. Yeah, uh, yeah. In a way, right? But huh. yeah. So like, um, I do listen to news. I listen for catalysts. I go. I would say, having heard you speak, I go probably half as far as you do with research. So for instance, um, do you know Octopus Network on Near? Um, I've seen it. That's the interoperability aspect of it. Am I correct? Okay. Yeah. To me, it kind of sounded like dot, but cheaper, like the parachain stuff isn't like all hyped and super expensive, but you can build mm -hmm. dApps. Uh, and customize those chains it's interoperable with atom but it's native to near okay. uh and i think even dot um but yeah like i see something like that and i do a little reading and you know i it, you just have more of a fundamental understanding of like how all these systems, I feel like, uh, go, how they would fit in an ecosystem and eventually merge. Right. Like I wish I did, but certain projects do make sense to me. Like IMX immutable X just oh, yeah, right, yeah. right off the bat. Like I'm like, okay, I get it. Ethereum fees suck. Game needs to build easy mm -hmm. right and using starkware too a brand new technology Starboard. you know right but at the same time you know somebody can this mover is not always the one that's going to carry it in the long run and most often times it's not the first mover in a technology it's usually somebody who takes that and does something else with it so i don't even know if immutable x will be around in a year maybe somebody might take the idea of what immutable x is doing and then add on to it like for instance we saw in the browser wars in the early nine in the 90s you know um what are we left now with Google Chrome, but back then was, you know, Netscape Navigator, Alta Vista, Ask Jeeves, you know, all these different ones. And then, yeah, there's only maybe a couple of that, that are left afloat. 100%. Um, do, do you use it or are you familiar with it at all? Which one? Uh, Immutable X. Um, I know I've just played around and looked around at the websites and I've just looked at some of the underlying technology like Starkware and I, I believe it uses rollups, right? Yeah. Starkware mm. is a type of rollups. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all that stuff is so new right now. And um, it doesn't, there's already like, another project coming out called Celestia that's taking it all to another I level. Saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, who knows, you know, if Immutable X will be around or if it will be supplanted by something else like that, you know, and it's we know where we're going. So what I'm just trying to do is just follow the tech and just dollar cost average into the tree as a whole. Yeah. That makes sense. Web three, because at this point right now, if you know about Web three, you're probably going to make it, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There there are some. There are some really great aspects of Immutable X, like we were saying, Starkware alone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing about them, I'm of two minds, and I'm currently invested, but I use their I, I use their platform. I like trade a little bit, like like you say, like you go in there and sort of play around, see see what's cool, and it was very cool. It was very easy. But it's just slow, and it's slow to the slow uh, transaction-wise. Mm. So if I put uh, Ethereum, the first time I ever like put Ethereum onto Immutable X, it took probably uh, forty minutes, and I'm just okay. freaking out. And I'm in the Discord, and they're totally overwhelmed by people who are waiting forty minutes. Mm. So they just don't like. It's just kind of a customer experience thing honestly yeah. uh, and then when you withdraw eth it takes i've been waiting on a withdrawal for probably three days i would say mm. um and well that's 
the whole Ethereum bridging thing, you know, I don't think that's necessarily immutable X. But, For yeah. sure. For sure. But but I'm just saying the experience of it, if if this is going to grow and, you know, I think gaming obviously is so actually user-based that if the customer experience for people whose entry is gaming, but not, mm-hmm. they don't really understand that bridges are vulnerable and they have to take extra precautions and yeah, all of all of the stuff that, that you don't know about if you're just a gamer, like that type <laughs> of thing, it just seems like the user base would have a hard time growing, right? Like really fast. To me. Yeah, the past three episodes, I've talked about the, the 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 historical entry point into crypto as being, you know, you learn what a consensus network is and proof of work and blockchain technology and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And then, um, you know, that's how that used to be the way people got into crypto. And that's why a lot of people didn't get into it, because you had to learn all these conceptual techno- cryptographic concepts. And then now we have gamers coming into it and they don't care about decentralization and you know, proof of work and your private and public keys. They just want it to work fast. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're sitting there for and, three days on a bridge. <laughs> and rightfully so, right? I remember the first time I bought Bitcoin, uh, it was frightening. Like, you don't know what your money's turning into. You're in yeah. your mind, you're like, am yes. I giving this to the ethereum god like like you just don't know what that what it's what it's doing so every time after that it gets a little bit easier until you're like oh why don't i put a thousand dollars in a chrome extension that i have zero clue how it works but it's cool the fox goes around when my when my yeah it does something yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember specifically in 2019 and I was mowing lawn and I was listening to Sergei Nazarov talk about Chainlink. The whole concept of somebody, somebody was asking him, was like, so you mean I have to go to an exchange and put my dollars and buy something like Ethereum first or Bitcoin first and then trade that over to Chainlink, go even further, deeper into the crypto space? And they're like, and how, how do I pull that out to get my, my money? And he's like, well, he goes, you already have money, first of all. It's just in the digital space. He goes, but you would have to, yes, trade it back to Ethereum, then trade it back for, for crypto. So it's like two levels, and it's very scary for people who don't know, you know, crypto, and, you know, it just doesn't feel safe. It's the shaking of the foundations. You know? <laughs> so so this is something I want to ask you. I, I actually, like, pre-planned I, I went against, I, I violated my improv standards and replaying the question because uh, it's something that's on my mind right now. Okay. So with the spectrum of like NFTs, what NFTs can be, everything from whatever, house title, medical records, art, cartoon pictures, music, and then sort of people are like doing more like video visual stuff. And it's sort of finding its way to every possible like centralized sort of entity. It's like coming for it, right? So mm-hmm. um, what in your mind, um, and, and with the context of what we just talked about, like a barrier to entry, uh, mm-hmm. considered how do you reach an audience, do you think, if you're making sort of comedy NFTs, whether that be sketch or like, does that look different from stuff you see on YouTube uh, or are you speaking to a different audience? Like I've been mulling this question over. I'm just interested in what you would think. Uh, comedy sketch NFTs, like uh, NFT, like video clip NFTs? I don't know. Is that what it is? I think well, so, right? I mean, there's a, a guy that started a news organization called Good Morning News dot um, club or something like that. I can't remember, uh, but uh, he has attached NFTs to audio video clips and scrolling through morning crypto news. And he puts it on open seas and sells those as NFTs. So once you have one of the NFTs, every morning, all you do is look in your MetaMask wallet 
and you get to see the morning news that are NFTified, you know, <laughs> and permanently on the blockchain. And it's a weird concept, and I can send you the link after this. But I could yeah, see sure. a lot of other different types of use cases coming from it, like a your daily comic strip as an NFT. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And hmm. it, but but what that does is instead of going to an exchange and buying Ethereum and then or buying Bitcoin, then having to buy some other type of shite coin and then having to watch it go up or down and then buy or sell at some point or put it in a DeFi app that kind of puts it two steps away from the dollar for a lot of people who consider the dollar still safe. Uh, but uh, yeah. uh, instead, NFTs, like, for instance, in the gaming world, you know, that gold or that sword or that skin or that image something tradable you know uh, as as a currency in a way so it's not too far removed from a dollar because it's like an item you've bought rather than just some kind of weird thing on a white paper that you're speculating on <laughs> right so okay so like how how does the person interact with an nft like the NFT is always, it's one NFT that is uh, giving you morning news every time or it... it I'm not it, sure the specifics of it, um, but I mean, you can use NFTs as passes, you know, and right, take it in a way. Yeah. And I thought about in here in Austin, they have the Continental Club and I have a friend that, you know, he's the manager there. And I was just like, man, if you could just like make your website to where it's NFT gated and then do... You know, somebody buys an NFT pass and you can time that pass for just even one show or a season pass or whatever. I go, they would not have to give you all their credit card information, address, phone number and all that crap. And all they have to do is just buy the Continental Club NFT and then they could log into the live stream and see the shows every damn night from their, you know, from their living room and watch the bands without having to go find parking on Congress Avenue, you know? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you seen the clips of uh, people that buy the the front row Lakers NFTs? That show no. uh -uh. bonkers. I mean, it looks. I obviously, it's you're you're watching the game from like Jack Nicholson's seat. Hmm. Even That's though he got banned for spilling chili on the floor, did you see that? <laughs> did he? <laughs> Yeah, well, see, there's another use case. So in a way, what we were talking about, NFTs don't really separate you that much from your dollars, as in the case of some kind of speculative white paper crypto, you know, ICO or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm your absolute, like, typical insufferable crypto guy that, like, when I'm, when I'm talking to someone, especially because I, I have a lot of artist friends who do really great things, and I'm like, I can't convince them. I'm like, there is no downside to you putting your music as an NFT. Yeah. You have to experience what that's like. Uh -huh. Like that, there's zero downside to it. You you should, and people just, they don't want to do it. And, and I yeah. also, I'm like, totally like. Yeah, I, same thing that? with canvas painter artists. I'm like, you, all you got to do is just take a photo of it and just like, I can help you just like. Yeah, do it. You know, and they're like, nah, yeah. Yeah, I like to touch things. I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, sure. I, I, well, I'm, I'm at an hour. I, <laughs> I I normally go like 30 to 40 minutes, but we're just. Oh, you know, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, it's quite all right. I, I enjoy this. This is, you know, the whole point was I, I really enjoy this conversation. I would love to have you back on and, you know, talk about some more stuff. And uh, yeah. Um, sure. I, yeah. So uh, is there anything you want to say as far as closing comments, maybe how to reach you if you even want anybody to reach you? The last guest, he said, no, I don't want anybody to reach me. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not into being reached. Uh, okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, with, without it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, but, I appreciate you you uh, reaching out to me and encouraging me as well, um, and and uh, and social media because whenever I put myself out like this, it's it's a scary place to be as well. So yeah, it's nice to see the yeah. hear the positive feedback. Oh yeah, such a great show. I really uh, enjoy it. Um, thanks for having me on. And I guess my last thought is 
TA is not as bad as it sounds. Use it to whatever you should you want to use it for. But absolutely, just look at the chart on TradingView because it just gives you so more, so much more like insight and sort of feeling about a certain thing. Okay, it doesn't mean you know, is that view.com? TradingView.com. Okay, yeah, I'll check that out and yeah, totally free. Oh, you don't have to mess with you know like lines or anything. But if you're looking at it, you'll nice. start to feel. Yeah, that's my that's my closing thought. But good. Okay, right on. I'll, I'll play the outro here. And to everybody who's watched this, thanks for watching. I hope you've got a lot out of it. And uh, give a thumbs up or a like or whatever. It just helps. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it helps the algorithm as much as it just helps my own ego. So hey, I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Bye. Funny how they're the same thing. <laughs> Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically, if you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.